0: Hi, my name is Suze Ginnon and I am a coach and breathwork facilitator and I am partnering with your host of the Recovery Plus podcast, Dr. May Hennen. And before we get started on today's podcast, I wanted to come on and announce that Recovery 10X is the project that Dr. May and I are partnering on. We are so excited to bring this to you and we are having our very, very first live event. So you may be curious about Recovery 10X is about. Please check out Dr. May's Instagram page, or you can go to the Recovery 10X Instagram page to learn a little bit more. But essentially, it's about creating an environment, creating a world where people who are in recovery or sober-curious or substance-free can really come in and 10X their life. Derive. It's no longer just about being in recovery or being substance-free. It's about thriving and going to heights in our lives that we just never even imagined possible and our very first event is coming where we want you to come live the values of recovery 10x which are having fun creating connection and our very first recovery 10x buzz session the topic is let's talk about sober curiosity what does it mean to be sober curious how have you done it what are the results how is it helping you thrive in your life? And what are some of the obstacles? If you are interested in joining us for this event, it is coming up Saturday, February 25th at 8 a.m. Pacific time on Zoom. Please reach out to either Dr. May on her Instagram at RedDrMayLee and ping her. She'll happily give you the Zoom link to our free event. Or you can reach out to me at OPI Coaching. Again, my name is Suze Giddens, and I will happily give you the Zoom link to our event. We do have limited seating because we want everyone in the container to have a voice and be able to connect with each other. So reach out quickly. We are having seats disappear every single day. And if this session is interesting to you, but you're not available, reach out and let us know, and we'll be sure to invite you to our other upcoming events. And now, Let's go ahead and get started with our Recovery Plus podcast for the day. Dr. May, take it away.
1: Welcome to Recovery Plus podcast, Fuck Yesterday, Focus on Today. I'm your host, Dr. May Lee Hannon. Here we celebrate and honor people in recovery one conversation at a time. Let's talk. Welcome back. This is episode 35. My next guest is Carrie Conrad. Carrie describes her story as almost being sober and in recovery by accident. Carrie has experienced domestic violence, abuse, addiction, lost businesses and homes, has been under investigation, has had chronic health problems, and was a single parent with a special needs child. But somehow, she remained on her feet. Now, Carrie is a dedicated defense and violence prevention expert. She's the owner and is a lead instructor for Beating Disaster, a Detroit-based mom-owned specialty school offering in-person and online coaching and training on prevention, protection, and defense specifically for moms. Take a listen. Hey, Carrie. thank you for coming on my podcast. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's just get into it. So describe a little bit about what life was like before recovery.
2: You know, I was having a lot of fun. I, that's what I saw. So there was a lot of laughter. There was a lot of traveling. There was a lot of, there were friends. There was, that's what it looked like. And that's what intellectually, like I saw that I was financially well, I was well with the job, like it all looked good. It looked good, but it it just, I was unfulfilled. I was unfulfilled and unhappy, even though I had everything. (laughs) I had Everything that the world told me is what makes people happy and I had it all and I hated all of it. I would get whatever I wanted. Or I would have a goal and I would make that goal and I enjoyed striving for the goal. But once I got there, it was, it was really unfulfilling, and I was always ungrateful. I could, I never appreciated anything. I just, I just wasn't capable. I was so empty on the inside, but
1: you, you know, I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's been the the theme. I mean, you've Also, just so the people know that you've lost a tremendous amount as well. Not just things coming to you fairly easily and yet not be fulfilled, but you've had some hardship too.
2: Well, and I would say I never experienced hardship until I got sober.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Which is not the normal story.
1: No. So tell me about that.
2: Well, gosh, I mean, like what do you want? Like a a list? I got sober the spite of myself um, with a lot of love and a lot of support and a lot of help, like it started off well, I guess, um, except just all the internal stuff was really hard. When I, when I quit um, using alcohol and substances, I started to find out I wasn't as well as I thought I was. But um, so I acquired some things in early sobriety. Um, I moved. I was in a relationship. We got married. We bought a house. I mean, like that, you know, like I had a really great job um, that I, I left to move for. You know, he, he didn't stay sober. And I, I don't want to tell his story, you know, sure, but sure. it greatly impacted mine. It greatly impacted mine. And um, that wasn't like the beginning of lots of stress for me, but it was a big one that changed everything because I was learning how to consider other people. I just, I just, I just considered other people before. So it was really hard for me. It was very new and I was learning and I was really proud of myself and I thought I was doing really well, which in hindsight, I really wasn't. I was just doing the best that I ever had. It it really wasn't that good, but, you know, so losing that relationship, uh, the house, there coincidentally there was a house fire i had a little girl uh you know and i try to be careful because i don't want to tell her story publicly too much either but um you know she had a lot of special needs and it just i mean you know we totaled a car um just i had this stuff that it wasn't like um you know, it was like, well, this is what you did wrong. And these are the consequences. Like, that wasn't my story. It was like, hey, this is life. And, and here it is. I have no control over whether or not somebody stays sober. I have no control okay. over um, a faulty valve on my um, water heater. You okay. know, just like, so much that I, I don't have control. over. I was sober for nine months and healthy during a pregnancy. And. You know, like life is just in session and things just happen. But, but like you said, there was a there was loss, there was moving, there was I was a single mom, mm-hmm. uh, health issues. Uh, the sobriety was just thing. Because the healthier I got, the more sick I realized I was.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting point and probably more realistic than most. Talk a little more about that because I think that's a very important point. Is You know, when people get sober, everybody thinks that the sea parts and it's beautiful and everybody's great. When really it's like, oh, shit, look at really what is true. Look at what the reality really is. Now what do I do about it? Now that I'm sober, now I feel all sorts of shit, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and and like the first thing that comes up is my behavior in that marriage. Mm Mm-hmm might have been the best that I had. It might have been the healthiest relationship that I had, but I was far from healthy. And it's really easy to say, oh, but they, but they, but they, but they, you know, you and they and them, if you guys would just. And, but you know, like, because I was sober and and like I said, with a lot of love and a lot of help and a lot of support, I really got to see my behavior and it wasn't about him. My behavior was poor. My behavior was very unhealthy. And, um and all I could do was just own it and look at it and just like really grieve because I have this idea of who I think I am and who I want to be. And like, don't you know, I'm sober and I'm healthy and I'm doing good things. And I, my behavior was just so, you know, it was, it was abusive. That's what it was. That's what it's called. It's called abusive. And mm-hmm. it was best that I could do. And it just, it wasn't very good and it wasn't enough for, And no
1: person deserves that, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it shifted. How did that happen? What, Once you understood that, then what?
2: Oh Well, again, through a lot of love and a lot of support and a lot of help from other people, a lot of examples, you know, I found out that a lot of my behavior had to do with some chronic health issues. You know, like if you're, um, I didn't know how sick I was. But um, you know, like I have a lot of food allergies, and when you're eating stuff that you're, and it's so funny because it's like I poisoned my body my entire life, and then I quit poisoning my body, right. and then it turns out it turns out that wheat and corn and soy are poison to my body, and I'm like, no, no, hold this bottle. What do you mean dairy <laughs> too? And it's like you're in the doctor's, like, yeah, you can't have gluten. And it's like, no, listen, guy. <laughs> I can do this, 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 this or this. We're good. And he's like, you're you, it's if you're good, then that's fine. But just know like you're poisoning yourself. And if you'd like to feel better and do better and be the person that you want to be, you can start by taking care of your body the way that it needs to be taken care of rather than the way that you've decided is right. right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just like everything was just you know, the things that I thought, the my perception of reality and actual reality were so in far. They were so far from each other.
1: How did that happen? What made it so divergent, so different?
2: um, You know, I mean, just a quick answer that sounds right is I spent my entire life calling things something else because it was more palatable. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than accepting things for what they are, like those stories weren't, they weren't safe. They weren't okay. they weren't right, and that was just the best coping mechanism that I had as I just said, "Okay, find it, something else." And I could tolerate that because when there's things that I did not have control over, and I didn't see how I could fix it, and you know, being stuck in these places where it just doesn't seem like there's an out and it's just so dark, like what do you do? You know, I don't know about you, but I just started singing songs. I just started. <laughs> making my own story one that was more palatable and and I just live my life like that and you know just like picking relationships I I picked again it might have been the healthiest I had ever experienced but that doesn't make it healthy It right. just I am on the rise and I am I am growing and I am changing it doesn't you just not like an overnight thing it's a gradual process exactly some were thicker than others, and I was whammy. I was just really sick. Mm-hmm. Thickly, emotionally, mentally. I mean, spiritually, I was just void.
1: Mm. And I went. before the sobriety part, um, which is an important point, obviously, but before that, we spoke earlier, and you mentioned accident. Like, recovery kind of happened. Is that, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Uh, and it's, it's it's uh yeah
2: um someone introduced me to recovery uh I had been dating somebody for a while mm-hmm. and I just coincidentally just happened to um overdose on stuff again like that's just uh, that was just a um a regular event in the calendar that just happened periodically, you know mm-hmm. um, and it i this person just suggested. And I meet some people that he knows that are sober. And I just thought that sounded horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like the, like, no, no, That's I need help. I said, like, stop. <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. Uh, but I was just so codependent that um, they said that they would meet me there. And so I, I showed up and I met, I met a bunch of people who, um, were they were just free they were available they were filled with joy and it wasn't they weren't singing a song you know (laughs) right it wasn't a song it was like it was just contentment and I had been content in my life whether I had everything or nothing it didn't matter I just I just was incapable of just being in a moment or enjoying a moment Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you you show up with these people who aren't singing but who are more content and then what so you see these folks you're like who the hell are you and that's certainly not my story my situation what happened then
2: people just kept
1: inviting me
2: places and just ended up there and I didn't mean to and I didn't want to but I just the more time I spent with these people the more I watched them um the more I watch them interact with people, the more I watch them handle situations, the more, I mean, just watching somebody order food, when I was condescending and unkind and rude to every person that I came into contact with, because they're not quick enough for me. And don't you know, <laughs> I'm, I, I am responsible for the tip you're going to get. So you should act like you care. You know, I mean, just the, I, I mean, like that's what I came with. And these people were just kind. They were just kind. And it really, um, like, maybe to run into any person that's kind, you know, like, I expect that. But a group of people who act together as one body, it just blew my mind. It just blew my mind to watch these people as a group with all their different personalities, you know, all that they just worked and functioned together. It just, I, I don't know, I just, like I said, it was really hard to not show up because it just didn't make any sense. It didn't make any sense. And it was really fulfilling so just to be there and just to watch people live differently than I ever knew was possible.
1: And what was that like for you to connect with this community? Because it was a community and you were actually mm-hmm. connecting. It was
2: vital. My a crowd. I I mean, it was, it, it was, it, it was, I, you know what I mean? Like everything inside of me just shook and it was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> Like, I don't belong, don't belong here. I don't belong here. And, and like I said, like over time, eventually, you know, I became one of those people. And I can say that I am content pretty much, you know, like for that fire, for example, Um, my insurance company for a series of months or whatever, I had a two-star insurance company and I got some life experience with that. They, yeah. They covered, and I didn't get my personal belongings really covered, and it was just. Uh, and I was physically sick because that's why I was finding out about like uh, my chronic health stuff. Uh, I was finding out like when I ate, I didn't know if that food was going to make me sick or mm. if it would nourish my body. I mean, it was just like a really hard time, and um, I lost everything. We ended up. I couldn't go into my house because I was allergic to the stuff that they cleaned it with, and I would get violently ill in there and it wasn't it wasn't their problem because they did their job and I would have to think they just told me to figure it out um I ended up doing at a shelter it was a privately run shelter here I have this like beautiful two-year-old I'm a single mom I have a cat and a dog and a kid and like um you know that gratitude and that contentment like I learned that there because we had nothing with nothing, like I walked away from that fire wearing my neighbor's men size ten shoes. You know, like you have nothing, you lose everything, and um, we're in this shelter, and I have like no no hope of going back home. No, I mean it was just my family's in another state. Um, it was just, um, but I'll never forget just being uh, the It's a gratitude for the white fresh, clean snow outside Dude, Christmas. Merry Christmas. I
1: don't
2: know. Wow. And it was like, and just bacon, man. Let me tell you, when life is hard, bacon always comes through, you know? It's
1: delicious. Wow.
2: So we had bacon and maple syrup and we made like candied bacon with a two-year-old and she was so filled with joy. And I just thought like, wow, like we can have a good time. Like, we're aligned to have a good time, even though I own nothing, even though I'm in this chaos, even though, you know, even though, even though, even though, like, I just got to, from that day on, I think like, you know, I mean, once you have bacon, like candy, the beautiful two-year-old that dancing in a tutu when you own nothing, you know what I mean? Watching fresh snow, it was just like, from then on out, life is good. Because it's it, that's just how I choose to think it, because it really is. Mm. You know, it probably was back then too. I just wasn't capable of seeing it.
1: So what helps? So was that the defining moment where you kind of put those two together and just kind of was in the moment, was able to have gratitude and appreciate in that moment, or was it an, an accumulation of things, of insights? Definitely
2: an accumulation because, you know, I was taught that gratitude was an action. So I was learning how to act in gratitude, which would be like getting an oil change on your car. Right, you like, right. You're like what, wait, what? You know, it's, it's only 5,000 miles. It's fine. We're still good. And they're like, do you appreciate your car? Are you grateful to have a car? Because grateful to have a car, then you'll stop and go get the oil changed. You know, you're clean. Uh-huh. Right? So I had been acting in gratitude. I think at that time I was, you know, I'm sober for like four or five years. Wow. So, so I had been acting in gratitude, but I think that was when like I allowed
1: myself to feel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a beautiful thing. And being in sobriety and losing almost all your shit, literally the clothes that weren't even yours on, right? But there was bacon and the sheets were white and near and it was snowing. But really, like, how did you not relapse? How did you stay in, in gratitude and, and in sobriety?
2: Well, wow. the need for alcohol and substances has been replaced. It's replaced with connection. It's replaced with spirituality. It's it's replaced with love and joy and freedom and gratitude and peace you know, like it's it's replaced. So, I mean, what's that, what's that going to do? It's going to rob me
1: of connection, joy, peace, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you like, just instinctually know that or did you learn that? No, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. Like I had, I had so
2: much love and support. I, it, and, and that, like either when I moved, when I moved, I learned like get in the middle, find your people, find, mm-hmm. find the same values, whether they live the same lives. they sit, they live the same lifestyle that I do, which is a, a solution oriented lifestyle based on connection and love and tolerance and patience, kindness, all of those things that I told you about, which sold me on it. So at any point in time, you know, I can walk away. I can go back to being miserable and hating myself and judgmental and empty and alone. Like I, I can, I have that right. I can choose that anytime I want to. Absolutely. But why? Like why? why? Why would I go back to that?
1: Absolutely. And so tell me a little bit, now that you have this solid recovery whether it was by accident or not, what sounds palpable, what you're saying is the connection. Obviously, the opposite of addiction is connection. And you were able begrudgingly at first to like connect with these people who like happy and content, weird and awkward. You know, I think that's a really important message that you had is like, despite feeling all of that, because sometimes that's all it took for a person to go, I'm not doing it. Right. You don't yeah. actually need an excuse to use it's fucking Tuesday, you know, I mean, yeah. or Monday, whatever. But you stuck it through even in the hardest times of your life. I mean, again, we get back to that that idea of, you know, recovery is supposed to be all of this amazing things, which it is, but at the same time you you went through some pretty hard things and still remained in recovery.
2: Well, I was told That, you know, when I had created the life that I created, which is a life of getting anything and everything that I wanted, no matter the effect that it had on other people, because I wanted it, I don't care if it's yours, I'm going to get it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I did. When you live like that, you like I created the things that I create in my self-will, the things that I create in my adamance about getting what I want, those aren't always the best things for me. And so when I take a break and go, hey, mm-hmm. maybe I have a greater purpose. Maybe there's something bigger here. Maybe, maybe it's not about me, you know, getting what I want. Maybe it's about serving a, a bigger purpose. And when I get to that place, when things appear to be falling apart, my experience is they're actually falling together.
1: Oh, I love that.
2: Yeah. So losing all of my stuff. You know, most people are like, oh my gosh, that's so horrible. And don't get me wrong, it is. It's it's it sucked. It's not a good time. Um no. I I'm sure we're throwing on of time, but just a fun thing. Not only that, but I bought some stuff. So you own nothing, we go to the store, we buy true pressure stocks under I mean, just basic stuff. And um that that dog that I had has a, a nervous disposition and we left the dog in the car to go get food and he shredded all of our stuff. Oh, shit. But, It was like, for real.
1: Oh, no.
2: (laughs) Like, and those are the things where I just, it's like, listen, I have to laugh. Like, I'm going to choose to laugh because this is so extremely ridiculous. I mean, what else is there? What else is there? Like, what else do I do?
1: Well, you Um, know, you could fall and give up or keep moving forward. And you chose to move forward because you know what it looks like not to try. You know what it looks like to be miserable.
2: Well, I also learned to quit judging things because that put me in a position to where when I got a divorce with somebody who was not in their right mind and not very healthy, we had no stuff. Makes a divorce a lot easier when there is zero stuff. Zero stuff. There's zero money because the insurance didn't pay out and there was zero stuff. And let me tell you, if you're going to get divorced with somebody who is not well, that's the way to do it because it wasn't that bad. (laughs) You know, until I'm going through the process thinking like, dang, I'm so glad there's no stuff.
1: That is a beautiful reframe. And it's based in truth. You know, you're kind of doing what, what some call radical acceptance. I mean, you were very much in the here and now, very much in the moment of just knowing what the circumstances and not just have it destroy you. That's a really big deal.
2: Well, then judgment is like, I've decided this is bad. Who's to say it's bad? It might feel bad right now, but that doesn't mean it is bad. It just means I feel like hell. So what are you going to do about it? You know, like I have choices. What am I going to do with those feelings? Well, it feels really good to go invest in other people. That feels good. It feels good to help others. Because even when I have nothing, when I have nothing, I'm miserable. I hate myself and I hate everybody else. There's something that happens when I start investing in another human being.
1: Tell me about what you do now and how that purpose has come.
2: Well, as a result of some of those experiences, I was put in a position where I needed to figure out how to pay bills because I used to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, And I started several businesses in order to, uh, you know.
1: Make ends meet, right.
2: Yeah. I learned to play noodles on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know the answer. You just play noodles on the wall and something is bound to stick. So I just don't, I try not to get too attached to any of it and just put the action out there and just let things work out. Uh, one of the businesses that I started, uh, I was teaching martial arts just because I love teaching martial arts. I've always yes. done well since I was young. It's just been a part of my story that um I I love it. It makes me very fulfilled and happy. And teaching women martial arts is a really good time. It's just a really good time. Um, But that business of all, because some of the experiences I had um, when I, like before I got sober, were really dark. I had some unsafe um, circumstances. Despite being a black belt, I've experienced a ton of trauma. Mm -hmm. I got sober. Like, it was like, why? Like, how did that happen? Because I'm... I'm a really good martial artist. Like, like how, how did these things happen to me? Because I was told it couldn't happen. It wouldn't happen to me because I am, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a 11. Weapon, you know what right. I mean? Right, right. Uh, and so like that business kept evolving because I kept studying, like, how did I let things happen to me? How did I not do something about it? Mm-hmm. And, um, I had like friends showing me what they learned in self-defense classes and they learn horrible things by people i don't know why hmm. i don't i don't know the self-defense industry is is so bad i feel morally obligated to participate in it so that's what i do is i offer self-defense training for um, a living specifically um for moms and children wow and it, it's even a lot more than that self-defense is just like the defense part is such as it's so small the prevention and the protection Like, I'd rather just live in prevention and protection. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about. I always have the defense down. Mm -hmm. But I was missing, you know, living in prevention and I was missing protection. I didn't protect myself. I didn't, I make poor choices. Um, You know, I don't, I don't ever blame any victims. You know, I didn't deserve the things that happened to me. mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, there's things that I can do differently. So it doesn't happen again. So. That's what I have the privilege of teaching. That's what I have the privilege of doing. So it went from teaching martial arts um, to self defense And then now I do coaching for parents, um, specifically on like difficult behaviors with their kids. Um, the things that I've learned as like, uh, okay, since this is a recovery podcast, you know, like I said, my behavior was abusive, even in society. like mm-hmm. no people deserve to be safe. People deserve to be safe. But when you're in a position where you don't want to harm the other person because they're a good person, they're just not in their right mind. Right. I still deserve to be safe. Right. And that's what I teach today. I teach all the things that you can use. You can use it on your children. You can use it on your boss. You can use it on your spouse. You can use it on your loved ones. I mean, whatever it is, I can still be safe and not hurt that other person. I don't have to, I don't have to change their life. Which, and by the way, that's why I had the experiences that I had before because I wasn't willing to do, I wasn't willing to change their entire life over a circumstance or a situation. I wasn't going to take their sight. I wasn't going to take their ability to procreate. I wasn't going to break any bones. I wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. that I had just, I wasn't willing to cause that kind of harm. And, you know, I picked them over me. Mm-hmm. Like well, people with, um, like the mental preparation and really finding out like do you have mental blocks that would prevent you from defending yourself because that's my specialty that's that's what I know interesting uh especially for people in recovery generally we don't uh have like healthy boundaries we don't none right right We just don't have like what's yours and what's mine is blurred. And I don't know where the line is. And I don't know when it's appropriate to physically do something or like,
1: when do I say no? Am I allowed this? That's huge. To get some insight into some of this This is fascinating. It's like, how do you help a mom who's always people pleasing, who is fiercely protective, but not sure how to say no and how to protect herself. I mean, what kind of mindset do you help them achieve? It depends on the person. And just to be like, I
2: have, I actually just launched an online course that's for moms. It's called Mama Bear Prepared. And it allows moms to go through the process from down to um, creating safety plans with your children, to getting in and out of the car, general safety, um, how to raise your children with a safety plan. And I didn't even think about it until, like, right now, but especially for, like, moms in recovery... I'm trying to teach my children skills that I don't have, okay? So kind of like uh, when I had my oldest, like Daniel the Tiger is how I learned what to do with what feelings. Let me tell you, Daniel the Tiger is my hero. His mom is my hero because I got to watch a a peaceful parent handle children who are very children me. You know oh, what I mean? Yes, yes, I do. So I got to learn with my daughter right there on what do you do when you're jealous? What do you do when you're angry? What do you do when you're disappointed? Thank you, Daniel the Tiger. Uh-huh. So I, I have like, real, I have a list of books that moms can read with their kids so they can learn this stuff right alongside their children. That's my story. I had to learn this stuff with my kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get, to, I get to help moms with that. Um, there's a whole bunch in that of course, but getting back to that walks people through uh, to find out exactly what their holdup is because it's different things for different people sure reasons why we're not willing to do that are like i said they vary so um i i've gotten to connect with a ton of uh, female entrepreneurs over like the last couple years so when i find a mom and we go through and it's like okay this is what prevents you from defending yourselves this is this is it right here. I used to, you know, like in a self defense class, I'd be like, so go work on it. <laughs> so it doesn't feel good. And, and now I've built all these connections where I get to say, hey, let me introduce you to Maria. Maria is somebody who specializes in exactly what you're struggling with. And if you want to do it yourself, she'll help you with tools to do it yourself. Or if you like coaching on that visit, like, wow, I, mean, I just feel so excited and so privileged. Because when I first was newly sober, and I just thought, why am I even getting sober? I'm such a piece of crap. Like, what? Like, really? Like, and everybody's like, you're worth it. Keep coming back, you know? And I'm just like, I don't, I don't, I don't agree. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, talking about, like, I very well knew that the things I were good at, I was good at collections. I was good at um, motivating people to do what I wanted them to do. I was very good at hurting other people, physically and emotionally. And that's what I thought. And they're like, hey, what are you good at? Well, that's my resume. And today, all of those things that I was so ashamed of and that brought me so much grief and pain Mm and are the exact things that I get to use today when I connect with other women and other moms. And it's just like insane. And what's that like? I forget dying. right? Like... I just get to connect and support other people. And it's like, I, I feel incredibly privileged because I, I mean, I am where I'm at today because a lot of people will to right. time and support and love and invest in me when I didn't think I was worth it.
1: I think that's such a, an important place to, to talk about is when you were saying, you know, searching for your purpose. But you got there, but not alone, right? You connected with other people. You allowed people to help you. I guess that's one of the challenges for folks in recovery is allowing people to help you. How did you allow people to help you?
2: Oh uh, Well, I mean, to be blunt here that I have complex PTSD. I'm very good at disassociating. And so I made a decision that this was something that was, if I can disassociate for unhealthy reasons, like, why can't I apply for uh, something? So I'm just like, hey, help me. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: Interesting.
2: Here I am. This is horrible, and I run it. My skin is crawling, and I want to vomit. So thank <laughs> for you for. <laughs> it was horrible. Mm, mm-hmm. It was horrible. But the thing is, for once, my entire life, I was just always trying to feel good and feel good and feel good. It's like you know, there's feelings I needed to feel. You know, and that feeling in particular was called humility. That's what I was lacking. <laughs> you know?
1: I think. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's the truth. It's really about kind of the self discovery and giving others permission to connect with you. And now you are helping people, well, moms specifically, stay safe without hurting others um, and feeling worthy and confident. I'm sure moms, when you first start with them, they may not feel as confident or as worthy or capable. Um, so it must be really rewarding to kind of see that transition.
2: It's it's bizarre because uh-huh. of the fact that like uh, I get to one, I can have conversations with moms that they're not used to being able to talk about. Because yeah. I, I mean, between living a life of not being sober, like that lifestyle that I had before, there was a lot of darkness there. Right. A lot of that's a lot of uh, self-loathing and and mistakes and self-hatred, and then. Um, the world of violence that's very dark. You know, I mean, all of these topics that I get to help with are really dark. And by the way, um, like teaching styles, like I use like cartoon clips and uh, so cool. And I mean, it's all, it's like laughter the whole way through. You're talking about like the darkest, most throated, most horrific topic, and you're cracking up because <laughs> you just, that's, that's the with, way to learn. That's the best way to learn and retain information is, I mean, we can have a good time doing stuff you know, covering hard stuff. So, but starting off with a mom who's not used to being able to talk candidly about stuff to be a safe place where a mom can just, I mean, especially like, um, like, like in the mental health community, like having children with special needs and it, like it, to have a kid that hates you, like sacrificing right. for this, it's really hard. And, you know, a lot of moms don't have a safe place where they can be like, this kid stop!"
1: <laughs> right.
2: I, this kid. I'm angry. This, this kid, kid is terrible. Right? I don't deserve this. This is like a, a domestic violence situation. I can't leave. I'm stuck here. There's The help is not helpful. All the people who are supposed to be helpful are standing and belittling, condescending and blaming. It's, I mean, to have that world is a really dark world. Sure. It's a it's place for a mom to just be like, I hate my kid, you know? And to, like, that's all right. That's all right. And then to have them go through some content, um, like one of the things in, in particular, one of the modules in that online course, I offer it separately too, because it's just so, the, the effect it's had on moms is so profound, but it's called Raising Nonviolent Children. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but I mean like, and then to connect with moms after they go through that online course and to have moms weeping and really. I'm just like, every single time that happens, I'm like, how did I get here?
1: Like, really?
2: Here. You know, people used to cry when I came, you know, they cry before, but it wasn't ingratitude, all right? You know what I mean? I, that wasn't what I brought to the table <laughs> those years ago. And it's just like, man, what a privilege. Thanks. What a privilege to have that kind of effect to, to allow people just freedom from their own perceptions, freedom from their, like, self-created prisons, and then just freedom to like it's okay not to control everything. Like we don't, there's so much we don't have control over. I help people focus on this is where you do have control. This is that you can control this, 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 this. That you can't control that. So you can't control that. But what are you going to do with all that? There's a big pile right here. Let's see we can do with our pile. And then once you like get through your pile one at a time, the load gets lighter. It gets very much lighter. And then it's like, when that's out of control, it's like, oh, that's okay. I have this under control and this is under control and this is under control. And I oh, we have a safety plan for this. So let's get into action. We have got this. Here we go. You mm-hmm. know, like, and then they have, um, I have a support. That's, that's another thing I'm really excited about that where we're at right now is I'm trying to, um. There's out know, Facebook group, so I tell you. Um, There's a Facebook group for moms so that they can get support because I understand how valuable and necessary that is. And like uh, if you go in like moms groups or you'll see online, people will be like, oh, I was creeped out by this person. I was followed around the store. And if you read the comments that people write on that, a lot of them are just downright nasty and horrible. And so I'm very excited to be working on a group that's a safe place of like-minded moms. To be like, hey, today I said no to my mother-in-law. You know, and people be like, damn it's hard. It's like you said, like when you're not used to saying no, it's and a
1: hard. And it's not really accepted either. Right. And so you have created a space. And let's talk about the space. Now, your, your organization is called Beating Disaster. I love the name. Tell me how that came about.
2: Oh, actually, um, the, the martial arts that I'm in, it's a brown belt technique. It's called being It's My favorite technique. It's very versatile. Um, it's just a great technique. And then so when I was thinking of a, a business name, I wanted something that was really important to me. And just coincidentally, you know, <laughs> coincidentally. And I really appreciate that, like, some people come to me because they want to avoid disaster. And then some people come to me because they want to beat the hell out of it. And either one is none of my business and fine with me. I will help you be safe. Whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. you're my business. I just I will help you be more safe, period.
1: I, I think that's great. And you have Mama Bear prepared and you have some other things as well. We'll get to that in just a second. Very quickly, I was just curious about what do you think is the relationship for you now between sobriety and safety?
2: Um, if I'm not sober, I'm not aware like if you're not aware, there's nothing you can do. You just wait for a crisis. you know that's not safe i mean and, and that's how that's how whether you're in recovery or sober or not, that's kinda how the world functions. is they're like, I'm ready for a fight. Why are we waiting for a fight like why don't why don't you learn how to not get in fights? Why don't you learn how to navigate situations with avoiding them? Why? Don't you get paid? Why don't you learn to, you know what I mean? Like there's so many other choices. Like fighting is the last ditch effort or weapons. That's a last ditch effort. And then some people are like, oh no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I have a or I'm a black belt or, you mm-hmm. know, I've got a pepper spray. Awesome. But do you really want to use it? You know, do you want to use it? Are you willing to use it? I mean, another side note is most people don't even know how to use it. They think it's just like, oh, I'll learn on the, in the spot of the moment. Well, you know. Good luck maybe. to you maybe you'll get sprayed with your pepper spray like happens all the time you know like Mm -hmm. again like I said dark stuff man my
1: world is there's just uh but I get to bring a lot of light to it so absolutely and you're choosing that every day I mean you know in your world where what is next for you I mean you got this amazing online and do you have a storefront also and you're in Detroit is that right
2: yeah, I'm in Detroit. And no, since the beginning, it's always been, I go, I'm hosted by other businesses. Oh, so okay. There's places that offer services to moms. I go to um, a place that's a gym, uh, a firearms play like just, I, my classes are hosted. And, and um this, a, a lot of the stuff for moms is specifically online oh, because the, the mental prep, I'm not a bear prepared is actually an online course. That's the name of the online course. And then that's the name of the Facebook group too. So that's all online. So anybody can do it anywhere. But what I want is because I've offered hands-on training for over 10 years now. Right. I mean, like, all 12, 10, 11, 12 years, whatever. You know, I've done hands-on training. And I want, because of the fact that the hands-on training that I do is different, it's not like the typical stuff. It's not like what's out there. Um, like I said, like I teach things that people can use on their pastor, their brother, their uncle, their mom, their children, their, um, you know, and that's what makes it unique. And, and women quite often are unwilling to defend themselves if that means hurting somebody. We don't want to hurt people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I am not aware of stuff out there that like what I do. Uh-huh. So, to be able to market online. And then I'm hoping to be able to travel. So I get to go meet their women all over. You know, I've got three kids today and we homeschool, and um, I'd love to travel with them and take them to go see major cities across the United States. And that's with my personal stuff, you know?
1: I think that's great. And in helping moms all over the country to stay safe. And, and how do people reach you?
2: On um, the website is beatingdisaster.com. Okay. And on it, you can learn about hands-on training. We have a uh, unique training that's, uh, it's called Your Self-Defense. It's a key chain And that's another thing that came from martial arts. Um, my martial arts instructor invented that and gave it. When I became a single mom, I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he said, there you go. Go run wild, go do it. And so- um, like I said, like I get to be where I'm at today because I've accepted and received a lot of help, a lot of help and a lot of love and a lot of support and sometimes from very weird places. But so again, that's beatingdisaster.com. You can also look at Mama Bear Prepared on Facebook and that's the online stuff. Yeah.
1: Awesome. And if someone was, what kind of advice would you give to someone who might be scared right now? who is afraid to hurt someone, but needs to figure out how to get the hell out of there um, and defend themselves, what would you tell them?
2: The question you ask can go so many different
0: ways.
2: So, um, you know, I can tell you from experience, when I have been afraid of me hurting other people, I can tell you that the solution for me was to take time and space alone, but that's not the solution for everybody. Mm -hmm. Some need to be surrounded by people. You know, if you're talking about somebody who's in an unsafe relationship, my suggestion to pretty much anybody where they are is to just do your best to be right where you are. Because if we're not where we are, we're not going to go anywhere else. And sometimes... That means sitting in a situation where I know the life that I'm living right now is crap. It's filled with pain, shame, abuse, violence, you know, verbal, physical, whatever, you know, being in that space is horrible. Right. It's easy to stay in it longer when I'm running from being right where I'm at. But yeah, like my personal experiences, I've had to fall apart in order to be able and willing to rebuild. And it sounds, horrible. it's so dark and it feels, you know, it, it feels like death. Mm-hmm. You know, and that too, because people told me, you might feel like you're gonna die, but you won't. You know, and I was told that when I am willing to experience that pain, when I'm willing to sit in it, that I never have to feel that way again. As long as I'm sober, I never have to feel that bad that way for that long again and it will get different that's been true for me That doesn't mean I never feel bad again but I just get I get like new problems and I get new pain and and each time I experience this stuff I get I get the dignity I get the opportunity and I get um, the experience to be able to get out of it and I, I I get out of this stuff myself but with a lot of help. Nobody can do it for me. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible to do the work, but there can be as much help as I'm willing to ask for and accept.
1: Really wise. Very, very helpful. Absolutely. And it's so great to hear that what's next for you is more travel, more training for moms, that kind of stuff. And so people know how to reach you. So if you're traveling and you find, you know, Carrie in your city, look her up. Most definitely. Carrie, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Recovery Plus Podcast, Fuck Yesterday, Focus on Today. I'm your host, Dr. Mainly Henan, celebrating and honoring people in recovery one conversation at a time. This podcast is sponsored by Red Door Coaching and Consulting, and you can find my podcast on Amazon, Apple, and Spotify. Also, you can find me at my website at www.reddoorcc.com. You can email me at mhennan at reddoorcc.com if you're interested in transformational coaching. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.